Welcome to In Search of the Great America, a virtual road trip to the biggest city and a small town in each state of the Union. 100 guests will be invited to define their great America, past, present, and future. I'm your host, Laura Milkins, and I really want to know, what's your great America? Today we have with us in the studio, Cloti Hammonds. She is the founder and creative director of Emancipation Arts, which has the mission to use the arts to raise the profile of Black artists in the community in Arizona, and to use the arts to create collaborations between egalitarian arts and the community. Hello, Clody. Thanks so much for being on the show. Thank you very much, Laura, for having me. So we'll just start off with the very first question. Where did you grow up and what was it like? Okay. I grew up in Phoenix, Arizona. I grew up in the downtown Phoenix area. Just bear in mind, the year before I was born, segregation in public schools was struck down as unconstitutional, but Arizona was still very, very much in segregation. So there were many experiences and places that were closed to my siblings and I. For instance, I was turned away at Encanto Pool to swim. I I actually really loved my neighborhood because I couldn't put a finger on what segregation was. So because I attended Catholic school, I was split between uh, an existence with white people and then a belonging in a black area. So there were many people, and I did not realize that they were migrants from other cities that were in my neighborhood and the bus picked up the cotton pickers, literally stopped at the corner of my street in the morning. And I always wanted to get on that bus and go wherever they were going, because I knew it had to be more fun than school. I don't remember school very fondly, because like I said, it was the era where nuns wore habits, and they were very free to intimidate children. And they always made a point, particularly with the Black boys in class, of ridiculing them and and actually punishing them very harshly, literally beating them. So I was always on my P's and Q's not to bring any white wrath down on myself. As somebody that wants to rescue other people, I, I felt terrible that I could do nothing for those kids that were singled out unfairly. Uh, so I don't have fond memories of Catholic school at all. Was there a time in history that you thought America was great, and why? Actually, not really, because once again, remember, I was a child during the 60s with all of that upheaval. I was a young adult in the 70s, and I was the mother of a black male child in the 80s. So there never really has been. I always dreamed of going to other places where I would find a great acceptance. And so during, you know, the 80s and 90s, I was also a black woman in the workforce. And I very often had the experience, I worked in communications, I had the experience of training people that would then become my supervisors that would turn to me and say, hey, what do I do about this? So not really. What is great about America now for you? I, I think that what's great now are the responses of people to the times that we're living in. If you, if you look at uh, certainly the pandemic and how 
people are helping or attempting to help each other, not just people that are sick, but people that might be vulnerable. That is very, it, it makes me feel a level of optimism. The way people are responding certainly to what's gone on in this country with with the police violence and and murders and so forth. And it's international where I have the feeling, and, and it's very true that we've become an isolationist nation. People from other countries are connecting with us on that level and actually are connecting with me personally via Facebook and saying, I'm sorry this is happening in your country and this is happening in ours, but keep the faith baby. So it's, it is making me more optimistic, but not just about this country, but the fact that someday the, the relationship with the international community can be restored. Technology it makes so many avenues that are open. If you recall, I, I dreamed about going other places. And now, in essence, I'm able to do that. But also technology gives me hope because we've had this disparity in education. We've had these disparities in services. And with technology, if it becomes distributed more widely and they do this, in light, certainly, of, of just the pandemic, not because it's the right thing to do, but because it's a safe thing to do. It will bring forth, not just for young people either, it will be a, a leveling of a playing field that's been far, far, far too uneven. What does your great America look like in the future? For me, and, and I've worked with homeless people for a very long time. I've worked with in public health, testing people for HIV. And you, you see a myriad of life situations when you interview people in confidence. And, and one of the things about this country that has disturbed me for a very long time is we are so wasteful. And so I, the great America for me, it combines sustainable practices with uh, in, in addressing societal problems. We can help not just homeless people, but people on fixed incomes through employment in reusing, reworking, recycling for a more sustainable, not just America, but planet. I'm sorry, but going back to your last question about technology, we've certainly seen how the uh, dependence on driving and using vehicles that, that destroy the environment has diminished somewhat. So I think that uh, that's important. I think that a greater America, we have an abyss right now, a generational abyss, where people forget that prior to them, although they, they see it more with the passing of John Lewis, that many of our problems rose and, and the attention to them rose and fell, but there were no resolutions. And so I believe that cross-generationally, people are looking for solutions now, and that translates to relationships. 
it might look like, and this is just going to be my cozy, comfy, happy, happy, joy, joy place, but it might look like a duplex or a area with a centralized courtyard surrounded by a community garden with areas for children to play and maybe seniors could watch while the young mothers were working and people shared their resources and really learned what neighbor means. Nowadays, very often you live near people, but they are not your neighbors. You don't know their names. You wouldn't call on them in your hour of need. If they're grieving about something, you'll never know it. So just the cultivation of what it means to be a neighbor is very important. And that's what my ideal America would look like. Who are we when we are our best? Unfortunately, we've seen the best in Americans when there is a disaster. And we would be at our best, I believe, if we could just put forth the spirit of helping other people without a hurricane or without a fire or without a pandemic. That Because if that is in us during those times, it's in us when those things are not there. And if we could learn to bring those things out, I really believe that's that's when we would be at our best. I just wanted to thank you so much for doing this interview and having such great answers to these questions and for your your spirit in all of this. I, I really appreciate it. And I, I love your version of a great America. Thank you for having me. And then I wanted to end with you telling us a little bit about your exhibition right now. I have created an exhibition called The Great Migration, Indiscernibles in Arizona. And it is a traveling exhibition that is meant to go throughout the greater metropolitan Phoenix area and throughout Arizona. And indiscernibles, as Black people in Arizona, we are not included in the history or acknowledged very often or even very accurately. So as indiscernibles, we are never thought of as migrants or as refugees. And many of the people that came here were recruited to pick cotton. Think of the five C's and how important cotton has been to the financial infrastructure of this state. So many people profited from black labor but we are left out of that historical narrative. And Black people were recruited from three states, Arkansas, Oklahoma, and Texas. But if I ask any younger people where their grandparents or great-grandparents came from, they literally cannot tell me. So I, this exhibition has a teacher's companion, and it's not just for youth, it's for everybody to learn something about how Black people came to Arizona and give us a dignified space in that historical narrative. Wonderful. If they wanted to find more about it, could they find it on your Facebook page or the Emancipation Arts? They can go to the Emancipation Arts page, And also they can look at Historical Heritage Square, where it is currently installed. Well, again, thank you so much for being on the show and being my very wonderful first guest. (laughs) Thank you, Laura. 
you for listening to In Search of the Great America. Today's episode had music by Valentin Sochnitsky. If you enjoyed this episode, please consider subscribing to the podcast on iTunes or Libsyn. For show notes and more information on the podcast, please visit our website, greatamericaproject.com. Thank you.